Hello everyone and welcome back to the 343 Football Podcast. As usual, it's your host Jaffa and I'm joined by Qudama, Daud and Ali. How's everyone doing this week, lads? Hello guys. Yeah. You alright? Right. How's everybody? Yeah, I'm, I'm good and it's uh, it was, it's been a fun week as well because the Champions League is back. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll drive straight in. So, we, we, do, we did a preview a few weeks ago and then we did another preview again in the last podcast with the games coming up. And we've all been thinking about Barcelona PSG as this big game and uh, naturally... Uh, a big scoreline happened and it's the same old story of Barcelona getting embarrassed in the Champions League except this time it's happened at home so the Camp Nou has been a shield for them lately where they tend to do okay in that leg get embarrassed away but has the has the team's like performance level sunk even further that now they don't even seem to cha- stand a chance at home uh, or is there like a, a lack of crowd effect what do you guys think I mean uh, we'll say that Mbappe stole the show there was no Neymar or no Di Maria as well uh, I just I feel like Barcelona keep finding new depths to sink in terms of their performance level. I mean, it's like you said, it's unusual to see them perform like that at home. But maybe it just goes to show how important fans can be in knockout games, especially like we've seen the effect uh, across the leagues this season. But yeah, I mean, it was quite odd to see Barcelona come look so pathetic at home, and I, I don't really know. What can fix Barcelona at this point? To be honest, you know, when it first happened in Rome, I thought, "Ah, oh, okay, Valverde, like, you know, needs to make sure this doesn't happen again." It happened again under him with Barcelona. They got rid of him. Setien came in. They looked just as fragile. And then Coman came in, and he has looked like he's improved the mentality of the team. They've become more resilient, but they still just absolutely collapsed the sign. Like the minute there's a sign of like uh, any pressure in a game, they're just gone and. Yeah, I, I, don't, I honestly Do don't know what, what's, too much on the what's to do at that point. No, I think that's probably something the fans are happy with, to be honest with you. Uh, like Barcelona's a club famed, especially since the Guardiola era of the last decade, of putting trust in youngsters. I don't know what his issue is. I think, you know, give him some, uh, you know, some credit in that he had a few injuries in the back. Their defences looked shaky all season. But their attack as well was pretty non-existent against um, PSG as well. And, and PSG themselves had loads of injuries, like Jaff mentioned, you know, no, no Neymar, no Di Maria. Um, but, I mean, without that penalty, which, you know, you can argue is quite fortuitous as well, I don't think yeah. Barcelona would have scored at all. Yeah, and I, I mean, I only bring up the youngsters because I, I, I never feel like whenever I see a youngster come up and... Um, you know, make his debut for the first team for Barcelona. I, 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 I can't remember a time where I haven't thought, "Oh, that youngster isn't looking good," or "That youngster is it's he's not there yet." I feel like every single youngster that comes out of uh, the academy for them always looks good. The difference is, in my opinion, is will he or you know will he make it into the first team as a Barcelona first eleven? And to be honest with you, I don't know if. Uh, history in the recent times has has proven that. I know Ansu Fati probably is the one guy that definitely you know class class player does it on international stage and on uh, in in La Liga. But the other few that are you know like uh, uh, Pedri, uh, Ricard Puig, uh, Trincao, they look good. I mean, even Serginio um, Dest, like he couldn't even handle Mbappe whatsoever. They look good, and I don't know if they're just good enough for Barcelona standard of consistent 
like I don't know, you know, I'm gonna have to like flip that on its head. I think the issue with Barcelona is not so much the amount of youngsters they're playing; it's the actual old god that have that are clearly past it. I mean, Busquets is probably one of my favorite players to watch in the last decade, but he's just a passenger in games these days, especially yeah. when the team is pressing high. He lost the ball so many times, and you know when he does have you know time on the ball, he never really does anything with it now. You know, he used to be the perfect link between defence and midfield and attack. And now he's just looks like, a, you know, he's, he's taking up numbers on, on the pitch. Jordi Alba as well, like, didn't really have... He's not as effective as he used to be. Lost that yard of pace. No, no. And his link-up with but, Messi's pretty much dwindled. But I feel like they didn't Pete. use him that often on the on the, on the the wing. Uh, well, obviously he was coming back, coming up from defence. And he, he was in really good positions a lot. I just didn't think they used him often enough. Is this Alba? Yeah, Alba. Well, that's the thing with Barcelona. I mean, they're just so static in attack. And, you know, when a fullback overlaps and he's looking for a ball, he needs it to be played in quickly. But Barcelona, they get the ball and their transitions are so slow. I mean, look how deep Messi has to come to, to, to gather the ball and actually try to do something with it. And, you know, I, I mean, Messi for me is, you know, the undisputed, you know, grace of all time. But I, I, he's just, he's, he's not doing enough as much as he should be as well. You know, like, it's just the senior players in Barcelona for me, they haven't been phased out in time. Like, you know, the greatest, like, you know, they dominated them and Real Madrid, the, you know, the 2010s. And, you know, I hate to use this example, but if you look at Manchester United, their, like, sustained success was when Ferguson knew to, like, get rid of players and start rebuilding. But it 100%. looks like to me that the, the two Spanish giants have waited too long. And now they're, like, they almost have to rebuild and play catch-up at the same time. So, you know, I think it'll be a while before we see either of them uh, dominating and challenging for the Champions League again, but uh, yeah. PSG credit to them; they they were amazing. I mean, their yeah, game I think plan worked perfectly. Credit, yeah, sorry, sorry uh, yeah. Dad, I was just going to say, accrediting PSG is probably the way to go on this one because, uh, yeah, I probably expected a little bit more from Barcelona and, and Messi specifically, but uh, PSG without having Neymar and Di Maria and still being able to dominate. And uh, to be honest, their tactics were like uh, they're pretty standard. I think it was just a case of isolating Mbappe against Dest, and Barcelona had no counter attack to that in terms of. Dembele is the right winger should have been more responsible for tracking back and helping out Dest but uh, Dest was getting rinsed, rinsed every time on that flank by Mbappe <laughs> oh, and um, midfield protection wise like uh, like you've got Frenkie who's a very mobile very energetic midfielder but it seems like his uh, his accomplices Khodem said Bus- Busquets massively uh, let the team down I just I don't think he can hack it anymore against like the pace and the dynamism that you come up against in the Champions League knockout rounds and I think that um, you know back in the day when it used to be him, Iniesta and Xavi in full sync, they had so much control of the game that Busquets' physicality was never really something that was, uh, you know, highlighted as a vulnerability. Whereas nowadays, obviously he's older, his legs are slower. He was never really that uh, engine in midfield anyway. So I think that the lack of protection in midfield also helped PSG. And you've got to give a shout out to Marco Verratti, who absolutely dominated that game. Like, uh, I know Verratti oh, I has had 100%. a big reputation for years and years now. I think he's been at PSG for like seven, eight years, possibly longer. And um, he, he seems to, I think Verratti is one of those guys who, in the regular domestic season, especially because nobody really watches Ligue 1, you're not going to really notice his performance levels until the Champions League knockouts come around or like an international tournament with Italy comes around. And he, he proves himself time and time again. He's just, he, the, the Barcelona had 100%. no answer for him, had no answer for Mbappe. And I think, to be honest with you, like 4-1 is probably about as good as they could have hoped to walk away with. And uh, I, for me, it's pretty much tie over already, I'm, I have to admit. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. Do you know what? What do you think of Paredes? Because Paredes played absolutely class as well. He, 
I've never seen a guy press so much. And I know he's playing a lot more this season compared to the previous seasons. Um, I don't know if Poch is, you know, trusted in um, the CDM position for him, CM position. Um, but he's already amassed, I think, is it 17 games this season? Whereas um, all last season he only did, he only had uh, 16. So I, I don't know, Paredes, Verratti, mm. uh, Herrera, they're all playing. They're all playing class. They're all very tenacious yeah. midfielders that are always pressing and constantly badgering opposition players. Yeah, I mean, Paredes was really good and, and uh, Icardi was really good. Messi must have been looking at them and going, where's this one? I'm playing with you guys in Argentina, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, and uh, it's you're right. I think uh, to a man, PSG were excellent on the night. And uh, obviously, it, fe- it feels like Mbappe in the Haaland era. Uh, we'll touch on Haaland uh, later on because we're going to cover the Dortmund game. But I, I feel like may- maybe they'll never reach the Messi-Ronaldo heights, but I feel like we're coming into an era where you're going to see them dominate the Champions League big nights uh, from now on. Yeah, I think um, it was a passing of the torch sort of night that evening. Um, you know, with we'll touch on it later as well, but obviously with Juventus also... Uh, crumbling in front of Porto with with the Mr. Champions League himself, Ronaldo. Um, yeah, Mbappe and, <laughs> and Haaland seem to be the two um, the two players that are going to be you know always on the podium fighting for the Ballon d'Or as well. So, I mean, like you can't really ask for more of a, a landmark performance from a player who wants to establish himself as a you know the next superstar of world football than Mbappe did at the Camp Nou. I mean, that hat trick was just all, almost. Perfect. The first goal, well worked team goal, but uh, the third goal, especially, oh. what a counter, what a finish. I mean, <laughs> that guy, that, he's got it all. Like Mbappe has to be one of the most complete youngsters. I got uh, the world Thier- footballs ever Thierry seen. Henry, Thierry Henry flashbacks with that curler, you know. It was such a. Oh, I know, the third one. Bit, it was a, yeah, it was a bit of a yeah, throwback goal, beautiful. wasn't it? <laughs> it was beautiful. It opens up, yeah, opens up his body and just the right foot curler. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. Like when we were doing the predictions, I really expected more from Barcelona, but I didn't. I said this yeah. before. I did not expect this from Barcelona at all. Kadama, you said obviously the previous episode, you said Barcelona going to win. I I can't remember what Jaffa and Dowd said, but I was like, I just don't trust this Barcelona team anymore. And there's there's a bit of beef going in that. In that team as well with PK and Griezmann, and did you see that online? Any years? Yeah, I did. Yeah, the, I think, the, yeah, I think, yeah, the transcription like, of them having a go at each other. Yeah, yeah, it's like there's just something wrong, not with just the players themselves, but within the dressing room itself. No pun intended, but yeah, that's <laughs> where I saw Barcelona crumble the last couple of seasons. Really, there's just something going on there. A bit of tension when Griezmann came in and Suarez yeah. leaving, so you know. It's definitely a toxic environment at the club at the minute. You know, it's it's just it's not going well from from top to bottom. In Barcelona, not a club that are um, you know un, not known for their off the field troubles. It feels like it's a club that kind of almost manages to you know keep those two lives separate. You know, off the field and on the field. Because yeah, I think I'm pretty sure even at the time of um, uh, you know the Guardiola era of dominance, there was always like some talks about like you know issues and scandals that were surrounding the club. But they've always managed to keep that separate, and now it seems like it's bleeding in onto the field. And you know, what's really the solution here? I mean, the board's not even uh, fully functioning. They're having their elections. It just seems like a write-off couple of seasons, let alone a season for Barcelona. I mean, the solution just... is to make it a reality TV instead of EastEnders. So I'm saying it'd be quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll be able to monetize it and actually, you know, get out of their financial troubles. But I mean, do you guys think this is the end of Messi at Barcelona or? 
You think this you, season I think is just it's, a one um, like you think his time is over there in general. Like is he just checked out mentally? I think he was checked out since that same final against Liverpool, personally speaking. Like I don't know, Liverpool final, like, yeah, yeah. I just think he yeah, was checked out. He's like, I, I, I don't want this anymore. Not too, yeah. You know, he's just really peed off. He's like, this is not a standard of Barcelona Football Club. Well, I, I so, think it was more. I think it was more the eight two. To be honest with you, if I was going to highlight a moment where he checked out, because he he still gave it another go, didn't he? Another season, new new hopes, new beginnings, and then getting smashed eight two like that. Yes, the circumstances were unique with. A neutral ground, not a two-legged tie. To be honest, they should be grateful it wasn't a two-legged tie. It might be even no. Worse. The A two, the A two was, was it a no, neutral it, ground. Yeah, yeah, it was after the lockdown uh, Champions League. Yeah. Remember when it, they were all held in either Germany or Portugal? I believe no, it was I Portugal. Oh, I, Portugal. I think it might yeah. be Porto Stadium, actually, or Benfica's. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it's it's. I think it's pretty much game over in that tie. I don't know if anyone thinks that Barcelona can make a comeback in Paris, but for me, it's uh, it's PSG through. Nah, even I'm. Um, I'm throwing in the towel for Barcelona, to be honest. I think it's over here. 4-1, four, four-way goals, it's it's not happening, let's be honest. Yeah, and then let's uh, get into the second game of that very same night. It was, uh, you know, Liverpool have had well-documented struggles in recent weeks, uh, in, in the Premier League, especially, you know, uh, injury troubles all season. They made those two uh, centre-back signings just before the window closed. And, uh, you know, everyone thought, Leipzig is going to be a tricky tie. It's probably not the hardest challenge you can get in the Champions League knockouts, uh, to be honest. But still, uh, Leipzig have shown themselves to be quite a, a threatening team. And um, I know that the two, I didn't really watch that game because I, I watched the 90 of the PSG Barca. But Ali, I know as a Liverpool fan, you had your eyes on that one. And it seemed like it was two errors from Leipzig that gave the goals to Liverpool. But was the performance more dominant 100%. even outside of those uh, outside of those errors? Daoud, I'll let you go first. No, no, no. I, I'm just agreeing. I, I like to put my 100% here and there. <laughs> but I agree. I, I think. I think personally. I think personally, it was um, uh, errors from Leipzig uh, players. Uber McConnells. Uh, what the hell, man? The 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 last. Um, I mean, as a central defender, as good as he is, to misjudge a ball like that. Uh, and I, I can't say the the night got to him because he's been in a few. He's Champions been exposed League before, hasn't he? Yeah, that, that uh, is Upa McConnor though. Sorry, that is Upa McConnor though. It's not something he's not like known to do. He he takes risks with the football he plays as centre back, and sometimes it pays off, and sometimes it doesn't. But I would say most know, most it pays worse, off though. Most it, it does, yeah. Off. So I don't think like you know this is a. I don't think he's been exposed. As some people said. I think whenever a player has a big money signing, they like always get like very put into the microscope. Straight away, just like people want them to slip up, just so they can point at them and say, "Oh, haha!" Like, yeah, but what was the point of people signing them? No, since obviously Bayern Munich, I think got them now. But why yeah. did Manchester United? Why did Chelsea? Why were Liverpool interested from playing out in the back and great tackling and great aerial ability? But yeah. he's not playing great out of the back, though. You know that's what I don't get. What what do other teams seeing him? You know what I mean? Uh, it wasn't enough, an, I mean, you, entirely. You watched the full. Yeah, you watched the full ninety, like the. What was Liverpool like throughout the entirety of the game? Man, that was man. My eyes were going end to end, man. It was just it was so much pressing. It's unbelievable, you know. It was it was a good game to watch, just from seeing so many mistakes, not just from Leipzig but also from Liverpool within the first five minutes. From what I remember, it was um, Leipzig hit the post, and then Liverpool were up the other end. It was back and forth, and then eventually Liverpool captured obviously. One of 
Leipzig's mistakes with I think Sabitzer is it Sabitzer? Sabitzer. Yeah, Sabitzer. Um, he led it. Arrow obviously led to Salah's first goal, and I think it was five ten minutes later, Mane exposed Mukulele and just exposed that back line yet again. But you got to give Leipzig credit. Um, they came they came back strong at the end. Wang Hee Chan had quite a few opportunities and he's turned in Liverpool inside out quite a few times before when he played against them with Salzburg. Yeah, would you say the tie's over then or would you say anything can happen at Anfield? Well, it's not, it might not be in Anfield because people from Germany actually can't come to England due to the COVID variant. So they're looking for oh, okay. another stadium for, for it to be at. So I wouldn't say it's over, but... If like if that Leipzig turns up, you know I just fancy another Liverpool win, but you never know. You see what Leipzig did to Manchester United, um, they, they turned that around, didn't they? Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, but then, but then they had blunders <laughs> at the end as well, so you you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, they're very, um, you know, a very unpredictable team, especially this season in an unpredictable season. So it might it might not have the beautiful like highlights. Uh, Barcelona and PSG, but it was a cracking game to watch. Just no, I to think see I'll from, be, the, from yeah. the, the errors coming through. And Alisson had a decent game, obviously, from the last couple of games he's had. He's been Blunder FC, you know what I mean? Yeah. But And Kabak had a good game as well, you know. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I heard he had so, a decent game. Maybe, no, I think I'll definitely be watching that one, to be honest, because mm-hmm. the PSG Barca game was just done that tight. Man, that's a write off, man. Cheap. That's just a car crash at that PSG Barca game, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I think I'll be tuning into the Liverpool Leipzig one. I mean, I think before the tie, everyone kind of expected Liverpool to edge it anyway. I mean, I've been, I haven't been hiding my admiration of, of Klopp, and I know that like despite like all the issues that Liverpool have been having, like in a in the Champions League in any cup competition, I'll back Liverpool all the way, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them go far anyway. If I mean, if I was Nagelsmann, which I'm not, because I'm here doing a podcast, not at Leipzig, what I would do <laughs> is I would actually throw up it. For pulsing up front instead of having Olmo. So you're not obviously playing a fluid front three or whatever you're going to do. You have someone who's going to trouble Henderson in the back. So he keeps him a bit more preoccupied. Yeah, I can see that. Which just makes a bit more uh, sense. Yeah, yeah especially. But, um, is Henderson going to be still playing centre back by the next time? Yeah, he, he, he probably will be. It depends if Fabinho's back or not. Is, there, is Ben Pearson going to get a look in? The, or Ben um, Davies, whatever his name is. The, the new. <laughs> ben, yeah. What's his name? Um, it's, yeah, it's it Ben is Davies. Ben Davies. Yeah. Oh, sorry, it's beg just, your pardon. It just reminds me of the Spurs Ben Davies, but um, yeah. <laughs> I, f- I think that's just the board side and just to, you know, if any other injuries happen, that's just a centre-back there. You know, Liverpool yeah. can turn a profit on him, you know, some for like five million, gotten for yeah. like one million. Yeah. So, so it's, know, not like a, it's not like a, a oh, championship to Champions League uh, story for the guy then. You never Imagine. know. You never know. <laughs> Unless it gets you know. more decimated. Which uh, you know, yeah, it could go towards that. With that the derby end. coming up against Everton, um, Everton might want to finish the job on Liverpool and destroy the rest of their back line. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe, maybe that can happen. Uh, Pickford you right now is pra- uh, practicing yeah. his lunges. I, I think Pickford's injured actually. Pickford's injured. I think. I don't uh, think he played it. last game. I think it was Olsen. No, nah, I think it? he played against. He played against uh, Man City. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah he, did. Did he? he did. He's back. He's back. Oh, I didn't watch that Man City game. I wasn't really paying attention to them. Nah, he's back, so you better be scared for your centre-backs. That's what I'm saying. Man, what a fucking <laughs> moron. What a fucking moron he is. All right, let's move on to, to Wednesday's games. So you had... Um, when we were doing the predictions, uh, we well, three, three out of the four of us said 
it's going to be Juventus uh, to pretty much handle Porto easily. And, and, and then Ali said to us, you know, don't discount uh, Porto. They've, they've got a threat. And, and naturally, that threat showed itself within the first minute. A pretty comical goal with uh, a nice bit of pressing from Tirimi. Uh, they made it 2-0 at the very start of the second half as well. So Juventus sluggish coming out uh, both halves. Uh, they got the goal and it's a crucial away goal as well because uh, they just need... I mean, 1-0 at Juventus Stadium is a very, very conceivable scoreline. Yeah, but uh, how 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 impressed were you with Porto? Uh, and you can gloat on this one since you made the correct prediction. Um, it's they're just strong at home, really. That's all it is. You know, I'm thinking ah, I could I could see a cheeky two one or two two nil maybe. And I didn't see that because um, Juventus haven't been what they are. You know this this great Juventus side which brought Ronaldo, bring all these quality players in with Andre Pirlo in his first job as a coach of a Champions League team. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, overall, I think Juventus are going to win the tie. But yeah. I just thought as a Stadio Dragao that, you know, Porto were going to do the job over Juve. But Juve could have had that game. You know, at the end, they had so many opportunities to equalise. Do, so do you mean build on the lead? They wouldn't do one. No, no, they could have equalised because it was 2-1. That's what I'm trying to Some say. Are you? Are you? Did you see... Look, look, look. Yeah. Stop thinking about Manchester United. Look, we don't need to talk about the Europa League, uh-huh. right? I know you're thinking about that. It's all uh, right. Did, did you Let's see Jesus thingy. Did you see Jesus Corona's... Over... Oh, my days. <laughs> Imagine if I went in. But it was offside. It. Oh, man, it was great. Yeah. You know, Paul have an all right team. You know, they've they've built good players from there as well. You know, um, and they have a history doing all right in, a, in European competitions. The last time they did well was obviously when Jose Mourinho... Doing the dirty on Manchester United. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> With uh, a knee sliding on the pitch. Uh, everyone oh, I loved it, man. I love it. <laughs> Actually, you know what? If Mourinho gets sacked, I'd like to see him back in Portugal with Porto. I'm not going to lie. Nice. No, I, I think he'd like that. He's going to come to the Sir Bobby Robson Club and, and manage Newcastle. One last club in England. That's nah, how I it think, goes. I think he's become England manager. <laughs> oh, I, I don't England know manager? That. Nah, I don't think so. Nah, man. That's a cursed that. job, man. He doesn't want to take that. What about in the Juventus game? What did you guys think of the penalty incident? Was that was that a penalty for you? No, I don't think it was. I can see why though. I feel like it did. It was definitely controversial, but I don't know, man. Ronaldo. People were saying like, oh, he was on his way down. It doesn't matter if he's not down yet, and he gets hit. Then I've it's seen a it pen. given. I've seen it given, but Ronaldo was like so far going down, man. Like he was ninety percent of the way there. It was like those old uh, like. No, he's download progress balls where it gets to ninety nine percent and then it gets like abruptly stopped. It was that man, like he was pretty much <laughs> on the floor before he got wiped out. So I can see why the VAR, you know, told per- the referee that it wasn't a clear and obvious error. There's no need to go to the screen. I personally thought the the contact was made early enough in the challenge where it actually looks like it would have been apparently personally. I I know what you mean. Like in terms of the momentum, it looks like he's going down. Looks like he's going down. Nonetheless, uh, you know. Um, it, it, it. But however, I think letter of the law with um, where he was and when he got touched. You know, it is a penalty. I, I don't know. It's a soft one, but I wouldn't want to get. I wouldn't want my team to uh, have it against. But if it was my team, I would argue all day. It's a penalty. Yeah, I think that's a definitely like probably the best way to put it. Like if it's given against you, you'd be livid. But if you're given it, you'd be like, yeah, it's yeah. a stone or penalty. So with it's this one in that territory. With this fixture, do you guys think that Juventus will turn it around in the second leg? Is it theirs for the win? Yeah, yeah I do. So. Yeah. I think 
they'd be very disappointed with themselves. I mean, this Juventus is a bit of a, you know, Jack and Hyde this season, you know, like they have looked like they've improved under Pirlo sometimes. And then other games, they just look absolutely like they've regressed. So yeah. I think when the pressure is on, like they did against, um, was it AC Milan when they won at the San Siro? I think when the pressure is on, they, they can grab the result that they need. But I, you know, to be honest, out of the f- the four teams, or out of the, I think, six teams we've discussed now in Barca, PSG, Leipzig, Liverpool, uh, Paul and Juventus, I don't see any of these teams winning it. To be honest, I haven't been that overly impressed by by all of them. PSG, probably, most likely, but I think it's either going to be uh, still mm. Bayern Munich for me. But... I think for, for Juventus, if Ronaldo misses the game for like an injury or whatever, hope not, but if he does, then... I can give Porto maybe a 50-50 chance, but as long as Ronaldo's going to be lining up that night, I can see him having one of those like signature Champions League nights where he gets himself a hat-trick in 45 minutes or something. He's he's just always there, isn't he, Like to, to have a big moment in the Champions League. It really is like his competition. I, I feel like the Champions League knockout stage now is synonymous with Ronaldo goals, and yeah. that's why I've, I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying that Juventus will turn it around on that one. I have to agree yeah, with you. but that, yeah. that relies on... Juventus' midfield actually creating something. I mean, you know, we talked about that uh, contentious penalty decision, but really a team like Juventus should not be relying on a referee's decision to go their way for them to actually get something out of a game. They were absolutely horrendous. I mean, I didn't watch the full 90, but, you know, from the reports of the game and the highlights that I watched, you know, that midfield that they have, like, like was it um, Bentancourt? It's just, in, uh, you know, Bernadeschi and players like that, they're just not UV material. Uh, they're not going to cut it. They're still chasing that Champions League. Uh, you know, they brought in yeah. Ronaldo to do it, but they've really forgot the rest of the, the components. To be honest, that they need. And no, absolutely. Their team is just not strong enough. So we'll get into the last match on the, on the Wednesday night, which is uh, Sevilla Dortmund, and it's Kodama's turn to gloat because when we were doing our original previews, I gave it to Sevilla, and I'm pretty sure that sentiment was backed by uh, yeah. Ali and Daud. And Kodama said, you know, don't discount Dortmund and. Um, on the night, Dortmund were incredibly impressive, and I think even more so because their domestic form has been really poor. And Sevilla have looked like a strong team ever since Lopetegui's came in. You know, they won the Europa League. They're, you know, they're a comfortable Champions League contender now in terms of making it there through the league and, and doing well in the tournament. So, yeah, I mean, can uh, tell us a little bit more about why you back Dortmund and, and the fact that you were proven right on, on, on this night at least? Yeah, it's like I said in, the, in last week's episode. In, in knockout ties, it's when the big players like do the talking sort of thing. And honestly, I think Haaland, out of him and Mbappe, for me, is, is currently edging it as, as the better player. I absolutely love watching that guy play, man. Like he, he's, you know, a lot of people say Mbappe is more complete than him, but I actually find Haaland more complete. I feel like he's, yeah, I, he's I, a I agree with that. Yeah, I feel like he's his link of play is incredible. The way he like passes and moves and like one twos with moves. Sancho and stuff. He's a battering ram when he wants to be. If he wants to just run through you, he activates Yaya Toure mode and just goes through you. You know, his <laughs> shots are always, his shots, his shots are always with power and on target. Like one of those strikers that just never seems to fluff his shot, like knows exactly what way to strike the ball every time. Like the way he opened up himself for the, uh, I think for the third goal and then just slotted it in that bottom corner. Like he opens up his, himself so quickly. Like he's just such an impressive footballer. And when you have he's so intelligent someone like that on your for team, his age. yeah, he's also really, a beast. Exactly, yeah, physically, man. So when you have a player like that on your team, in a knockout tie, I'm always going to... like If the rest of the teams are quite even, I'm always going to back the team that has that edge. Yeah. But that I think Barcelona... Not Barcelona. Um, Sevilla got goals and Dortmund were a bit leaky as well. So this is why I was saying 
Um, Sevilla still have a chance. I, I still think Sevilla might go through. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the German teams. I don't know if you watched like when we talk primarily about the Champions League. But I don't know if you saw in the Europa League as well how much of the German teams just love conceding goals. Like the Leverkusen conceded three. I mean, and Leipzig played yeah, all that high defenses. Yeah, that actually. Leverkusen yeah. were like three three nil down half point against Young Boys. They were getting yeah. touched up, no pun intended, but you know. Um, <laughs> exactly, man. <laughs> but, but, no, nah, I mean, yeah, the I... German teams German teams are currently in that, you know, the philosophy of all-out, not all-out attack, but, you know, prioritising the attack, very high lines, and, you know, will outscore the opposition. Yeah, pressing high and lines. and Even yeah, even Bayern Munich, Bayern Munich are, are not, like, you know, immune to that. I mean, they've had games this season where they've conceded four or three many times, literally just the, the weekend gone. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why you can never back the German team just, too much. Just on the uh, Haaland um, Mbappe debate, Daoud, I want to ask you a question. If um, if somebody came to you and said to you, you've got a former club with the objective of winning the Champions League, and it was sort of like in a, a fantasy scenario where you had to pick that top striker and you had the choice between Haaland and Mbappe, who, who's your pick? Either Haaland or Mbappe. Yeah, you've got to pick one. Ooh, it's a hard pick, isn't it? Uh, it depends on what, what team you'd want to go, but in terms of if you had to pick to fit into any team... Well, that's like that's what, that's why I phrased it this way, because it's up to you what sort of team you build. I'd who love do you wingers. want to build it around? I yeah, love who wingers. do you want to build it around? I, I like Mbappe, yeah. I'm not going to lie. And I, I just think Mbappe's been doing it longer. He's been a more accomplished for longer. He He's just getting started. Do you know what I mean? The party's just starting with him. With Haaland, I feel yeah, like yeah, but that was the way he's is, going. And then, yeah, I would say probably he'll he'll pip it for me. Isn't he one Champions League go behind Mbappe, though? And you've been saying Mbappe's been doing a bit longer. It just shows how great Haaland no, is. No, I think, no, no. I, yeah, Haaland, I think he's, he's, he's more than one. He's more than one goal. I think Mbappe has 24 Champions League goals, whereas Haaland has, I think, 18. It's crazy. So he's, oh, he's well, I, I, think might, I think it might might be in the age before twenty one or something. I couldn't remember. It was some strange maybe, fact. Maybe, but the the mad thing is, I mean, it's hard to compare because Mbappe doesn't really play out and out striker, whereas Haaland does. But I think you know Haaland has more Champions League goals than Champions League games, so you know, just goes to show what level he's currently playing at. He's, he's just an absolute. What were you, Jeff? Who do you think? Who I would, would pick Haaland. I would pick Haaland because I think. To build a squad around a central striker like him who can be the focal point, but he can also drift in the channels. He's, he's got like the the thing. The difference for me, and I could be totally wrong, and I could be proven. You know, t- this could be proven to be a bit of an idiotic analysis in the future. But I think that Mbappe will struggle against the low block against def- defenders. For example, like Atletico Madrid, who will do a job of man, man marking him, doubling up on him on the uh, on the wing when he drifts wide. Whereas I feel like. The answer to Haaland's game, he's such a threat that he can do it in between the channels. He can do it in the hold-up sense. He can do it from set pieces, and you know, link uh, dropping deep to link play. I think he's, I think he's a bit more, more of an intelligent footballer than Mbappe at this stage. Uh, so I would pick uh, Haaland for me. Yeah, definitely. I, like I, I'm always surprised when I read that people are saying, you know, Mbappe is the more complete player. I think there's a thing now where to people complete means technical, and maybe Mbappe, you know can dribble a tiny bit better. But even then, I'd still give it to Haaland. But like maybe Mbappe is faster, can do more tricks, so people just assume complete. But yeah, Haaland is just, you know, a con- like, you know, jack of all trades, master of all almost in a, in a way. Like, he's just an absolutely incredible footballer for such a, for such a yeah. young guy. I mean, let's get into next week's preview because uh, that was a really nice roundup of, of, of the midweek games just gone. 
Um, first one up is Atletico Madrid against Chelsea, and the, the complexion of this tie has completely changed because there's been a managerial change at Chelsea with Lampard gone and now Thomas Tuchel in. Um, has that managerial change affected how you see this game going, Ali? No. So what, what's your answer, what, it. <laughs> what's your thoughts no. on this one? How do you think it's going to go next week? Where where's it going to be played? The first leg. Uh, I believe that the first um, one is in Spain. Well, Spain. hopefully, uh, COVID permitting, it's in Spain. Right. I've said this many times before. Luis Suarez is my favourite player of all time. You know, of all the players you could pick, Luis Suarez is my favourite player. And just seeing what he's done this season, it's unbelievable. And having a young player like Joe Felix next to him, and having a coach, similar mentality to Suarez, like Diego Simeone, it's it's going to be hard to break that team down. And mentally, they're tough to beat, you know. Like, last season, they, they, they took out, you know, this so-called Liverpool team, which were unbeaten. You know, in a couple of seconds, they took them out. Yeah, it was a few blunders by Adrian. But, you know, Chelsea, they have blunders in them too. You know, you look at Kepa and Mendy, you know, they've made a few, few blunders this season. I just, I just don't see how Tuchel tactically can outdo Simeone when he's going to play... Two two blocks of four and have two two people up front. Well, I think I just don't see it. In terms of uh, Tuchel tactically, he's been doing a back five, hasn't he? And I feel like he's been doing it in preparation for this game. And he's got like, for example, like Callum Hudson Odoi is a wing back at the moment uh, in that lineup. Uh, I actually think that Chelsea could surprise a few people. Yes, Atletico Madrid have been stellar in the league, but lately they've been they've been dropping points. Actually, not necessarily losing, but just dropping city points with draws against. Um, I believe it was uh, Getafe that they drew to the other day. And um, yeah, I, yeah, I just so feel like... This happened last season as well when they dropped points. You know, they dropped points against many teams last season. They were horrendous. But they still outdid Liverpool. And from, from just I mean, those games alone, I can just see him doing a job over Chelsea. I think the, the, the Liverpool ties... I, I see where you're coming from, but I think the Liverpool ties, you've also got to take in the context uh, the Adrian mistakes because Liverpool totally dominated that second game. And without those mistakes, like... You can't, you can't legislate if you keep doing that sort of thing on the night. And yeah, so, but I have more, I have more belief that Kepa or Mendy are going to make that sort of blunder against Atletico Madrid. That's what I'm yeah, to say. I mean, you know, I think in, you look yeah. at our back line, It's with Thiago Silva. Yeah, he's good, but I could I could see Suarez just beating him to each ball and actually getting a better from. Yeah, I mean, for me, yeah, go for them. Uh, sorry. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, disrespect your favorite player of all time. <laughs> you know, this, he has been a bit of a, you know, he has a tendency to disappear in the Champions League, especially. No, I get where you're coming from the, here. The knockout ties, so maybe out, like, okay, maybe we can give him the benefit of the doubt and say, you know, it was Barcelona, which is sounds good. It was Barcelona holding him back because they've been absolutely you know, dreadful crap in the Champions League. Dreadful, you know, really just awful in all, you know, in all departments in the Champions League. So maybe, you know. Simeone can get him firing in the Champions League knockouts again. I do agree with you though. I think it's um, it's come too early in the you know Tuchel reign at Chelsea to be able to to steer them in the direction that they need to go in order to to overcome Atletico Madrid in their current form. I think this tie won't be the most high scoring. I think both teams honestly are quite boring. Like they'll play pragmatic and they'll probably be quite low scoring, especially the one that uh, you know Metropolitano. So it'll probably be. I'd say 2-0 Atletico. I can't see Chelsea even scoring, to be honest. I mean, I know Werner scored against Chelsea 
against Chelsea against Newcastle. That'd be great if he scored against Newcastle. Chelsea, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd back him to score against Chelsea more than he <laughs> to back against uh, back him to score against Atletico. Right, I'm Madrid. saying right now we're, we're not against on Newcastle prediction right now. You're hearing it first here. <laughs> I, yeah. my, I mean, just because he scored against Newcastle, who are terrible, I don't. No, I've, I don't think you know he's turned the corner. I've got a lot more belief in Chelsea than than you guys. I think it's for me. It's two reasons really. I think that Tuchel has had an eye on this fixture ever since he was appointed, and I think that he's pretty much shaping his tactics at the moment in anticipation of it. And I think he he will have already got a really good scouting profile on Atleti just because he was already facing them in the Champions League as PSG and would have been aware of their threats. Chelsea, as a team at the moment, are definitely not as strong as as they could be, but. Sometimes on the in the Champions League, like we saw with Dortmund Sevilla, you can just get a big performance from from the big moment players. And you know, Atletico Madrid, yes, they've got Suarez, but there's talent all over that Chelsea pitch. Uh, there really is, and Timo Werner as well. If, for example, Chelsea um, managed to get someone like Ziyech or Mason Mount to feed him in behind, he he could really trouble that uh, Atletico defense. And I don't, I don't I don't think Atleti have an answer to that. Yeah, but they can be playing blocks of fours. I just I just can't see Chelsea going through, man. You know, they're not ghosts, are they? They can't go through that back line. I just can't see it. No, you know, I, I, Simeone's I think that's going to more... do one over Chelsea yet again. <laughs> let's, let's give credit to, you know, the guy who screwed Beckham over. He's going to come back and he's going to haunt Chelsea as well. And he's already haunted <laughs> Liverpool. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we're disagreeing because it always makes it more fun when the result comes out. So I'm, I'm going to back <laughs> Chel- uh, Chelsea and you guys are going to back Atletico Madrid. We'll, we'll get into the other one on the night and that's going to be Lazio against Bayern Munich. So Lazio, Lazio winning two one. <laughs> I know, I know that you like Lazio because you've, I, I believe you've been to that one of their matches in, you know, in Italy. Yeah, it was a bit so, crazy that game, but yeah, yeah you, um, you can always d- develop an affinity to a team when you go watch them live. Yeah, so. man, for the Lazio, man, I hope <laughs> they do one over Bayern Munich. So, are you, you saying know. that? Are you saying that just from uh, as a fan, fan's point of view, or do you genuinely believe that they've got it in them to to get something from that win? I mean, it is in Italy the game, so. Uh, unless again, unless it's played on a neutral ground, but I'm not too sure at this stage. Uh, but yeah, uh, um, what do I think of that game? The f- Bayern Munich was so dominant, no? Like if I'm taking my rip my heart out of this right now, mm-hmm. like and just put just thinking with my brain, Bayern Munich are just so good, but they can't be exposed. Immobile. This this is the this is basically a derby of the top two goal scorers in Europe last season with Lewandowski and Immobile. Really, you know who's going to get the more more goals? And then you got Muller, then you got Luis Alberto. Yeah, Alberto is not at the level of Thomas Muller, but he creates good chances. You know, and yeah. I could see him creating Bayern some problems, but Bayern's going to turn him inside out. Let's be honest. Yeah, I agree. I mean. I'm back in Bayern Munich to retain the retain the Champions League crown. To be honest, I think it's a, it's it's going to be a formality of a tie. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it'll be interesting the dynamic of the two top European goal scorers of the last season. But like you say, there's just it's too big of a job for Lazio to do, and they haven't looked the best in the league this season as well. You know, I think they were stronger last season, and so. No, I'm, I'm just yeah, looking at the. There's a chance for an upset. I'm just but. looking at the Serie A table at the moment, just to see how they're how they're faring. And they're only three points off third. So, although they don't have any title aspirations, um, you know, it's it's not like they're having a disastrous season domestically. I, I do think that. Oh, fair enough. Maybe I was thinking back. I haven't looked at the Serie A table. In a bit. I'm pretty sure they were seven. But no, no, fair, they, they are seven. They are seven. seven it's of, such a cluster of teams. Oh, right. it's, it's just three points off third. Um, obviously, Roma has got a better goal difference there, so they'll still need some work. Now. In ter- in terms of the um, like that tie, 
Yes, I think the natural conclusion for all of us, I know sometimes we tend to disagree on maybe certain matches, but I, I, it's hard to put it past Bayern Munich. You know, they're the holders. They've been in monstrous form under Hansi Flick. I believe at, at the time of speaking, he's got more trophies than he's got losses with the team. So I think I, I think that, sh- that goes to show you everything. And, um, you know, Bayern Munich, are, they, they don't really seem to have like the type of uh, mentality or the type of deficiency where they bottle it on certain nights. So um, I remember a few years ago, they they uh, lost pretty badly in Porto and everyone was like, oh, that, that's it, they're gone, they're in really bad shape. Absolutely destroyed them at the Allianz. I think it was like six or seven, wasn't it? And uh, so it's the type of team that if, if they do take a hurtful loss on the night, they, they tend to stay in the game and, and finish the job on the second leg. Uh, yeah, I've got no hope for Lazio, which, which is a shame because Lazio is actually a, a pretty fun team. I wish that they had a more winnable tie. Because they are, they are an enjoyable team to watch. And I would have loved to watch yeah. Leipzig versus Lazio. That would have been an interesting game to watch, to be honest Oh, massively you. so, yeah. And then leave it to... I want to see Atletico versus PSG, to be honest. That's that's the game I want to see happen at some point. Yeah, I mean, they could happen down the line, of course. But uh, yeah, so get some final predictions on this one. Uh, I'll actually give you guys a scoreline. I think Bayern's going to win at like 3-1 on the night. I'm going to stick to what I said. Lazio 2-1 if it's at home. If it's... At the Allianz, Bayern's going to roll them over like the German machine they are with their 4x4 Mercedes SUV. So what can I say? 3-0 <laughs> to Bayern versus yeah. Lazio for me. No, I think with Lazio being at home, they can grab a goal. Bayern, you're not the most solid defensively. I'd say, I, I agree with Jav. I'd say 3-1. It's probably maybe 4-1, to be honest. Yeah, I'd yeah. say 4-1 Bayern. Oh, it's going to be a bit of a... Yeah, and we'll see how it goes. And of course, we'll, we'll talk through uh, all four of those fixtures on the next recording. Um, thanks a lot for joining me, lads. It's been fun. And uh, Dowd, as always, like to give you the uh, duties of promoting the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Um, so, yeah, we're on um, all major podcasting sites, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. As usual, we are posting videos on YouTube, so please share it with your friends, like it and subscribe. This is the first time I'm saying it. I think we've got to a stage with this that we know we're pretty happy and we'll get going. And In the comments uh, section, especially in the YouTube part and on uh, Spotify, you can sometimes leave comments or give us an email at thedressingroom9 at gmail.com and what you like and what you don't like and uh, what you think we could improve on. So yeah, um, and also follow us on The Dressing Room on Facebook if you want to find out when we release an episode. And that's everything. So thank you guys for this week again. Bye-bye now. Cheers, thank you. Adios.